Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise, like the birds will never sing again. Believe in a power greater than what you are going through when you don't know what to do. That's right. When you don't know what to do, just keep breathing. From the City of Angels in Los Angeles and the Big Apple in New York City, welcome to all my listeners out there in Radio Land. I'm Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver at caregiverdave.com, along with my lovely co-host, Adrian Guberg, at thecaregiverspace.org. And we're coming to you live Hi. and on demand. Hi, Adrian. <laughs> we're coming to you live and on demand on 24-7, 21 global audio and video platforms. They just keep growing. iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, Spreaker, uh, SoundCloud, HealthyLife.net, Vimeo, Stitcher Radio, Blog Talk Radio, MixCloud, Listen Notes, Blueberry, Player FM, Podcast.com, VIP, Internet Radio, <laughs> TuneIn.com, Facebook Live, Owl's Tale, YouBook, CastBook, and, of course, CaregiverDave.com. <laughs> we are proud to be voted number one caregiver podcast on the top 50 on Player FM and one of the top six best podcasts by Caring.com, as well as number three podcast out of thousands of caregiver podcasts on Feedspot. And we have an exciting show, an exciting shoe planned for you today, don't we, Adrian? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yes. do. Ann Weisbrod, Director of Social Services at the Hebrew Home at Riverdale, has over 30 years' experience as a social worker. But before we get started, I want to take this moment to thank my last week's guest, Terry Wildman, author of In the Enchanted Boardroom, Evolve into an Unstoppable Intuitive Leader. Every caregiver should be a leader, don't you think? And just a reminder, you can watch or listen to that interview and all our interviews on all our membership website, caregiverdave.com, or any of our other 21 global platforms that I mentioned earlier, like iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, SoundCloud, etc. All right, enough of that. Welcome to the show, Anne. So excited <laughs> to have you on. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Just speak up as loud as you can. Uh, project your voice so we can all hear you. And why don't you okay. take a minute or two and introduce yourself. I'd like to ask my guest, just who is Anne Weissbroad, and why were you put on this earth? So, uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, I have been a social worker for 32 years here at the Hebrew Home. I think uh, I always knew I wanted to go into geriatric social work because I was very close to my grandmother. She was in a nursing home, and I spent every weekend going to visit her, and I just mm. became so interested in everything that was going on around her. Not just her, the other residents, and uh, and that's how I got into this field. I I um, I'm married. I have two grown children, and uh, I'm happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have <laughs> you. Uh, so was was your mother? Your mother, right? My grandmother. Grandmother. So My was your grandmother. grandmother in this facility also, or a different one? No, she was actually in a facility in, in Queens, New York, and um, I still to this day can remember, you know, exactly what room she was in and where it was <laughs> and everything about going to visit. It was just, you know, great. Most yeah. kids don't like going to nursing homes, but I loved it. 
Yeah, uh, and you know the good ones because the good ones don't have all the wheelchairs and the and the elderly just staring at the walls doing nothing. They've got them right. occupied and and uh, yeah, you know uh, they're they're you know, very they're very uh, organized, engaged. Doing, engaged. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you. <laughs> she finishes wow. my sentences for me. So. <laughs> So there's nothing, no greater work than being a caregiver, and I always like to say, just wait if you're not one, because you'll either be one or you'll need one. Somehow caregiving will touch your life one way or another. So I'm so excited uh, to hear that you had the joy of being a caregiver. Tell me about uh, caregiver dynamics when a loved one has to go or move to a nursing home. That can be very, very difficult for both the caregiver and the loved one, isn't it? So, you know, think about it. No one ever says to themselves, oh, I can't wait to get older and go into a nursing home. <laughs> you, you never hear that. In 32 years, I've never heard that. Yeah. Uh, so when the decision comes to have to place your loved one in a nursing home, you can only imagine the feelings that families may go through, the emotions that they feel guilty. Mm -hmm. they, you know, they promise that, Mom, don't worry, I'm never putting you in a nursing home. Those promises that never should have been made, yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so there's a feeling of guilt. Maybe I should have done more. Could I have taken care of her? <laughs> there's a feeling of anger. You know, why does she even need this nursing home? Why, why do I have to even make these decisions? Uh, you know, there's the family dynamics that go on between siblings. Does one agree? Does sure. one not agree? Um, there's just so many emotions that go into placing. You know, there's... Is fear, fear of the unknown. What's going to happen to them? How are they going to be taken care of? And all of that plays into, you know, putting a relative in a nursing home. And that's where the team at the nursing home, social workers, nurses, doctors, everyone involved, have to really come together and support these families who have been caregivers and are actually, to some degree, relinquishing a little bit of that role to a complete stranger. And that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. They have to learn to let go and let go with love. It's, it's a complicated thing. Trusting, yeah. Trusting someone you've never met. Yeah, well, how do, we, how do we get over the guilt? Let's say that we made a promise or our loved one made us make a promise never to put him in a nursing home. And now you realize they need 24-7 care because you, you need sleep. You can't stay up 24 hours a day every <laughs> every two hours turning them over so they don't get bed sores or whatever it is. Um, how do you get out of that promise? How do you renege a promise and replace it with a good promise? You know, good question. Uh, not easy to answer. A lot of it depends, I think, on the ability of, of the relative, you know, the loved ones to really understand what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, if that person really has capacity and is able to, to understand, there's a lot of conversation that needs to be had, tough conversations, yeah. but definitely, you know, sitting down and really talking about the needs, the, the safety issues, the, you know, I know I may have said this to you, but we, we didn't know what we'd be facing, and here we are, and I want mm -hmm. the best for you. I, I want to make sure you get the care you need and you're taken care of, and I can't do that. I need. We need to work together and let someone else help us do that for you. It, it's not easy, it's, and it doesn't go away so fast. Yeah, well, that's not bad. Uh, <laughs> I have a question about um, the the Hebrew home in, River, in Riverdale. 
Um, are these apartments where people can actually bring their things and live and feel a little bit at home, or is this somewhere where everything is foreign? So the beauty of the Hebrew home is that we have a continuum of care. So we have assisted living apartments, we have independent living apartments, and then we have the traditional nursing home. So certainly in the independent living and the assisted living, people tend to bring a little bit more from home. Uh, I do. It's a little bit more of a community type feel. Yeah. But, but, yeah, but when people do come into the nursing home, we encourage Obviously, they can't bring all their furniture and dishes and no, all those kinds of things. We do really encourage them to make their space feel like home because this is right. their new home. And, we, you know, we encourage whatever will make them feel comfortable and safe. Yeah. You and know, I found that was very important. I'm not Jewish, but uh, I would love to end up in a Jewish home because they take such good care of their elderly. <laughs> Why is that? <laughs> Why do we Jews do treat job. their elderly better than Gentiles? <laughs> 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 you don't think they do? I no, mean, I said think... I don't know. It's oh. true. But it's a, it's a true statement, though, right? I mean, I've, I I've, visited, so. I've visited people in Jewish homes, and, I mean, they there's just... There's just more love there. There's more dignity. There's more respect. They're treated so much better, you know? No, I there think is the respect. Culture, I think it's the culture of the nursing home because that comes from the top down. And I think, you know, look, most of our staff that take care of our residents are not Jewish, but and many of our residents are not Jewish. But um, Really? So I can right? I can go, huh? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, See, a lot, of them, a lot of them won't let me. They'll say, no, 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 you have to be Jewish. <laughs> but, you know, good leadership and a good culture. You know, well, that's so care. nice. What is it, a 50-50 mix? Uh, what, what percentage? Actually, I think it's even a little bit more the other way, a little less Jewish now. Wow. You see, I guess there's a lot of even people who feel like home. me, yeah. That's a great uh, selling point. <laughs> so, um, what should caregivers know about when visiting their loved ones in a nursing home or assisted living? Because this may be new to them. Um, I always tell people, you know, one out of ten of them are are good, but nine out of ten of them, I wouldn't put my cat or my dog in. <laughs> you know, and there's there's different things, you know, like the smell test. What should people be looking for when when looking for a nursing home or even an assisted living place. Maybe you can give them some advice. So when, I would say when you're looking to place your relative, and I do recommend looking at different places, <clears throat> it's like when you take your kids to college, you look at different schools, um, you're, looking, you're looking for exactly what you just said. You're looking to make sure that it doesn't smell, that it doesn't, isn't dirty, that it has a clean appearance. But I think even more than that, you're looking at the faces of the people that live here. Yes. Are you seeing, are you seeing, you know, maybe happy. not every, <laughs> if I say happy, but are you seeing good care? Are you seeing the, the residents themselves? They're clean. Well cared for. You know, activities are And they're wearing clothes that match. <laughs> some of these people have been very isolated. Um, you know, stuck at home, not not moving around, waiting for their children to visit, and 
now all of a sudden they have the opportunity to to have a community and mm -hmm. i've seen a few homes where where that does happen and and, and they make friends it, that's actually, you know, when people say to me, well, why, you know, what, what's a, what are good things about a nursing home? Fortunately, there's often a negative connotation. The amount of socialization, you know, you're right. People sit at home. They think they want to sit at home, but the truth is they're, they're alone. Here, mm -hmm. you know, not everybody loves each other, but there are so many opportunities to socialize. There's activities. Uh, there are, you know, within the neighborhoods themselves, we call the floors neighborhoods. Uh, off the floor, you know, down, we, this facility happens to have a, a magnificent property, acres and acres right on the Hudson. So we have mm. the opportunity for people to socialize in the nice weather outside. Um, our staff encourages socialization and our staff encourages people to get to know each other. We even have a dating program here. <laughs> yeah. I'm ready. <laughs> Adrian's in the process of, of selling her house. Maybe you, you want to go right into there, Adrian. Yeah, I was just saying. <laughs> yeah, I was no. thinking, do you have a three-bedroom? Uh... <laughs> yeah, the whole idea is that we do want our residents not to feel isolated and not to feel alone and feel a part of this is their home and this is now their community, and we're privileged to come into it. Do you have couples that move in? Oh, yes. Many, we do have many couples, actually. Some choose to live together, and some actually yes. choose to live separate. Maybe this is a right. chance to get away with that. They, they, they can finally get away from each other. <laughs> but, um, yes, we do. We have couples that come in together, and then we actually have couples that have met here. And, oh, yes. Yeah. This really sounds like fun. <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't have to be a negative experience, you know. And uh, like like I always say, you know, I, I tell people if they made a promise that I'll never put you in a nursing home, you know, to just say, hey, um, I'm reneging on that promise, but I'm going to replace it with a better promise. I promise to give you the best pair, care possible. And so many people are afraid of nursing homes until they get there or even assisted living, you know, whatever the level it is. Um, right. Uh, it, of course, it depends on a great social director to make sure that that great social things are happening. It sounds like you have a, a very good social director there. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, the whole team. You know, we have an activity. We have an entire department devoted just to activities and maintaining mm. all those different kind of events. And um, everyone works together. It's really a team approach. Yeah. So what can families do to get... Um, you know, support as their loved one ages and declines? Because everyone thinks about the loved one, but many times the caregivers are in worse shape than the loved ones because the loved ones are getting all the attention, all the energy. They're, they're top on the list, and the caregivers get the, uh, the short end of the stick. You know, they're not sleeping right. They're not eating right. They're, they've lost their job or they've had to quit, and, and they've isolated themselves. They're, they're friendless now because nobody wants to hang around them because they're so negative. What do you offer for caregivers, if anything? That's a really good point because, you know, I just want to say when we have families coming to visit, you know, some of the families we deal with are, you know, they can be very challenging. They can be, you know, angry. They, you know, they come in with a whole host of issues. And, you know, we have to recognize as professionals that they're going through a lot themselves, having their relative here. 
We actually offer uh, support groups, particularly for families with relatives with dementia. Because that's one of the hardest things, you know, if you come to visit and your relative is still able to converse with you and appreciate the visit and, you know, participate, it makes it a little bit easier. But when your relative has dementia, you know, it's hard enough to deal with that. And then you come to visit and maybe your mother doesn't remember you, your father doesn't know who you are, um, or they're, you know, they're telling you things you don't know if it's accurate or not. Uh, so we offer a support group for families who are dealing with relatives with dementia because they may not be the primary caregiver, but yet when they come to visit, they are that caregiver. And they, they are, are. They're yeah. always maintaining that status, no matter whether their relative comes to the nursing home or not, because nobody knows their loved one better than their family. And we look to the families for help in caring. So we offer support groups. We recommend support groups in the community run by different agencies. Uh, we recommend, you know, anything anybody would recommend, like exercise and just relaxation techniques and, you know, and whatever support one-on-one -on -one we give families when they come to visit will help them get through whatever it is they're getting through. Yeah, and like my mother who had dementia, I would come and visit her, you know, 30-minute 30, 30 drive, and she would think that the last time I was there was like uh, a month ago, and I was just there two days ago. And, and, you know, you just get used to that because it's not their fault. They can't uh, blame it. Right. And, and yet your, your paid caregivers, the, your staff, you know, a lot of people think that if you're a paid caregiver, you don't care or you don't, uh, you know, have the same level of devotion as an uh, unpaid family caregiver. But that's not true, is it? Your, your paid caregivers need that support as well, and they are uh, subject to burnout also. Actually, you know, the staff here, and you know, maybe I'm a little biased, I've been here for a long time, but the staff here, you know, I really feel treat these residents as if they were treating their own parent. You know, the yeah. devotion, the caring, the, the, the just the going above and beyond what they need to do, because they themselves understand that, you know, they really get trained on what it's like to take care of someone who's entrusting their relative to you, uh, and the fear that that family may be going through. Mm -hmm. And our staff, you know, do need support. That's the, you know, we, we meet with our staff. All different departments have support within their own department. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we, we also meet as, you know, as teams to really support each other. No matter yeah. what the function is, you know, nurse, nurses, aides, dietitian, everyone needs support. Right. And that's what yeah. Adrian and I do. We, we offer online support because a lot of times people can't physically go somewhere. So we're going to take a quick break, so we'll be right back. Don't go away. Our featured speaker is a best-selling author who has written numerous books and articles. He's a speaker, life coach, and host of Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program. He frequently appears on television and radio shows all across the country and has even shared the stage with Suzanne Summers at Harvard. But his most important role is caregiver to his beautiful wife, Charlene, for over 22 years. Please welcome Mr. Dave Nassani! I want to share with you a love story. In a couple of weeks, my wife and I will be celebrating 44 years of being together. My wife, Charlene, and I had a fairy tale, storybook, romance, courtship, and marriage for the first 21 years of our lives together. One day out of nowhere, my wife has a headache, the headache of her life. She suffered a massive stroke 
and it left her severely speech impaired and paralyzed on the right side. And in that moment, our world turned upside down. I got to tell you, the next two years was like a living hell. I just didn't know what to do. I felt guilty most of the time. I became a caregiver. I didn't even know what a caregiver was. I was experiencing the same problems that other caregivers experienced. If you don't take care of you, I can't take care of her. Well, that's why I wrote the book. Now I can teach other caregivers. I'm living proof that you can thrive as a caregiver. My wife and I travel now all over the world sharing our story. One day life is gonna call upon you to be the captain of your boat. Heck, you might be saving your own life. Thank you. And we're back with uh, Dave Nassani and Adrian Gruberg and Ann Weisbrod, Director of Social Services at the Hebrew Home at Riverdale. Anyway, uh, is welcome. That, is that, does that mean white bread? Yes, it does. <laughs> How did you know that, Adrian? <laughs> my, my maiden name means, my maiden name is, is Greenwald and it means Green Forest. So I, I, these names all mean something. And white bread. Now the matchmaker uh, makes uh, matches. Is there a name maker in, in Jewish culture that comes up with the names? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what happened at Ellis Island, but... Uh... <laughs> Okay, so yeah, Ellis, at Ellis Island, they used to shorten the names, or okay. or give people if people's names were too confusing, they would just simplify it, and it, it wouldn't be Smith, but you know, so they, Anne, they'd are, come up with something simple. Yeah, <laughs> what are some strategies um, for caregivers to interact with uh, staff who provide care for their loved ones, either at home or in a facility? So that's a great question because that sometimes is the most challenging for both sides, for both families and staff. Uh -huh. uh, you know, um, the most important thing is to work as a team. Doesn't always feel that way, but you know, the families are as much part of the care team as we are because, as I said before, who knows their loved one best but them? And we rely on them for information and for background and for history. So when they come in, you know, the most important thing is mutual respect. To come in, you know, find the staff you need to speak to. Uh, if they're not available, you can ask for supervisors. There's, there's always so many people to speak to. But make sure you get whatever information you need. I think communication is probably the most important and also sometimes the most challenging. And staff, too, need to look for those family members, you know, reach out to them. I yeah. know here, for example, we're constantly setting up meetings with families when we need to have a conversation because we want to make sure everyone is included. But um, communication, I would say, is probably the most important on both ways. Um, I, wanna, I wanted to say uh, there, there are so many people who begrudgingly will go see their loved ones in a facility. Um, how how do you soften their hesitancy of being there? And you know, like, well, I come every week and nobody recognizes me, and 
and uh, you know i just i just don't like coming here it it's too depressing whatever what how how do you deal with that because it's a real problem around here yeah, so I think, you know, back to the communication, I think the more that a family knows about what's going on with their loved one and how their loved one is truly doing, the easier it is to, you know, kind of inch your way in. And one of the things that I would say is that when someone first comes, we make a real effort to include the family, you know, in conversations. We even let them know after a day or so, listen, your mom... Your mom's sitting at a table with a lot of people. She's talking. She's doing okay. You know, we got her down today to exercise. You know, we'll even take a picture of their mom or, their, you know, their loved one doing something mm-hmm. to send it to them so that they can see. Right. This is a scary place. This is this is their mm-hmm. home. Name. And don't they want to go see their relative in their home? So, you know, communication and just Providing that support, you know, we have an open door to families, you know, call us, let us know you're coming, we'll sit, we'll help you, we'll walk you around, we'll show you what you can do when you come to visit that doesn't necessarily just involve sitting in your mother's room and listening to the same story, you know. (laughs) What a great place. What a great place. You're also not ju- just dealing with Jewish people, you're dealing with other cultures. So, I mean, are there, are there people who can address, the, you know, other issues, you know, other ethnic issues? Yes, and that's, that's you know, that's important. You know, certainly we have staff who speak all different languages. Language is an issue. You know, for the family, we make sure we have translation services. We, But, you know, we also have activities geared toward different, for example, we have a Spanish right. We have, you know, a, you know, a variety of different things. So we try to incorporate as much as we can. We'll try to introduce those people to people who, are, you know, who have commonality with them so that they have something to talk about and something to do. And um, Right. We, we, do it, we do address that, yeah. Would, would you consider yeah, it multicultural? I mean, do you have an Asian population? Do you have a Muslim population? We have everything. Really? Maybe that's an overstatement. But Puerto we Rican, have, everything. Yeah. We have, how, many wow. re- but, how many residents do you, yeah, do how you many? service? You said it's very so, big. Yeah, it, you know, I'm, I'm approximating, but it's about apparent, approximately about 725. Wow, that's, that's a that's a large facility. Yeah, yeah and we you managed to keep it real home home like and and cozy. How do you do that with such a large population? You gotta come visit us to see exactly what <laughs> we're about. You know, we're on the Hudson. We have exhibits. We're also a museum. We're a designated. Wow. So people can yeah. come and, and look at the pictures well, and stuff who have I nothing can, to do with I that? Can just, I can just get my car and drive up there this weekend to see <laughs> Yeah, every, Adrian, check, check it, it out. out. Check it out for us. <laughs> we have the museum, and then throughout the facility, we have, we have Andy Warhol. Uh, uh, we have Matt, you know, uh, Max. Uh, you know, we have every, so yeah. many different artists and so we like to be able to refer people to places that we know of and can, uh, you know, we go there ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. I, you know, I, come visit. You'll, you'll, I'll take you on a tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's a date. <laughs> I'd like that. 
So, so how can you help from a from a team between your doctors, families, and other care providers? Because a lot of times, you know, we, we forget that, that a doctor's in the equation too. You know, they might be having some problems swallowing, for example, or or some uh, side effect to a medication, or maybe they're on too many medications and they're acting like a zombie. Uh, I have found from personal experience that the doctors of facilities like these are really crappy because uh, you wonder they don't really care about the patients. They just come in, they make their rounds, you know, it's just another name on the list, and then they're gone. And this doctor just came out of the woodwork. I mean, it has nothing to do with my mother's doctor, who I would have much rather have them, but because they're in of a facility course. now, they're covered under a different uh, plan or something. So tell us about your doctors. Um, are they kind of, uh, well, just tell us about them. No, I'm happy to because we are an unusual, maybe, um, you know, a little more unique in that our doctors are here uh, all the time. We have 24-7 medical coverage. Staff, wow. not just coming in from the wow. outside, visiting patients and leaving. That makes These a difference. Part of the team. So in other words, one doctor has a set caseload and those floors, the neighborhoods, are hers or his. So they become as attached and familiar with the residents as the rest of the staff because they are the regular doctor. It's not just a fly-by-night mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, um, you know, when you ask, uh, you know, the team is, you know, every member of the team, you know, has an important role. And our team consists of a dietitian, and obviously the nurses, social worker, doctor, activities, nurse manager, so, and if they need physical therapy, the physical therapists are involved, and we meet with the families as a team. It's, you know, we don't just, you know, the doctors as much part of that as anybody else. So, we, we are fortunate to have that kind of setup. So, wow. no fly kind of thing. <laughs> It just gets better and better. <laughs> um, do you, now this is a uh, it's 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 a difficult question. Um, how do you deal with end of life care? Uh, you know, it's difficult, but it's every day. So um, yeah, actually, yeah, we are um, fortunate. We have an end of life committee. We also have the palliative and hospice care supervisor Wonderful. and in uh, other disciplines. End of life care is very, very important to us and very relevant every single day. So we have and you work, that, you work with the families as well on that. We work with the families 100%, and we also offer hospice service. So we oh. have two programs. Yeah, we have palliative care and we have hospice. So palliative care is an in-house way of thinking and, and meeting with the resident. If they have capacity, they can dictate their own end-of-life care for families to talk about what would they want if they need more help. Do they want to go to the hospital? Do they want blood work? Do they want to be weighed every day? You know, what, what do they want to see at end-of-life? But for those mm -hmm. residents and for those who are further along, we offer hospice services through an outside hospice provider who comes in and takes that case of the resident, and they don't have to move rooms. They stay in the whatever room they're in. Hospice comes to them. Comes to them. This is, yeah, of not just the Hebrew home staff, because of course we're still their primary caregivers. Yes. In the facility, but now they have the hospice team as well. 
coming in, you know, and providing that extra level of end of life care. So for us, end of life care is it is daily. It's it's you know it's something that we really, uh, you know, are really you know forerunners in. It, I mean, it's an issue that has to be dealt with. That's why I brought it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. that's you know, for the caregivers, for the families, that's you know, that's a whole other hurdle. You know, you finally get you know used to getting your relative here and, and adapting, and right. then just take a turn for the worse. And now, now you know, it's a whole other level of anxiety and emotion, and yeah. so we we really have a lot of staff that deals specifically with. That. So let's let's talk about food because the number one criticism most seniors have about their facility <laughs> is the food that they serve them. <laughs> they compare it to hospital food or airline food. I'm sure that's not the case with you. Tell us about your food. <laughs> so <laughs> food is a huge issue. Um, you know, it's funny. I run the resident council here, which is like the, the resident governing body of the home. And food always Are you the official taster? <laughs> I, <don't think. laughs> I, I, I do eat the food here. <laughs> you know, the staff get the same food as the residents, so uh, <laughs> can't could it be? You know, well, the residents eat the same food that uh, uh, the staff food. eats. We have an amazing kitchen. It's a huge kitchen. You not only feed the nursing, independent living. Can and you say that line again? You you cut out. Yeah, you cut out. So the food is actually our kitchen is an amazing kitchen because they're feeding not only the seven hundred plus nursing home residents, the assisted living residents, and the independent living residents. It's a kosher facility, so we you know it as we call it the of, of you know kosher food. Um, the food actually is great, but you know as I say to the residents. I have two kids. I serve one meal. One likes it and one doesn't. And that's just the way it's going to be. You can never please everyone all the time. <laughs> but I may be unbiased, but I think the food is, is great. <laughs> so, uh, you know, but you're always going to have people complain. I can't, I, I can't say they won't. And some people just won't eat because they don't have an appetite or whatever. Uh, and you I know, know what? There are a lot of women here who, you know, are really amazing in their day and took yeah. a lot of pride in their cooking and you know you might hear well I wouldn't have made it that way right right you know, and that's okay that's okay too you know so I usually it's end up not like I would make it <laughs> <laughs> I usually ended up visiting my mother, and and it always seemed to be during lunchtime and dinner time, and they would serve the food, and she would just pick at it, and uh, I would say what, and I would taste, and I said, man, this is really good, mom, come on and eat this, you know, and I would encourage her to eat, but uh, um, it, it was good, you know, she was in a good facility. Uh, we're going to take another break, so we will be right back. Please don't go away because we're in the home stretch here. We are a community of caregivers that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. 
You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group. You can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we're here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back on the Caregiver Dave Show with Anne Weisbrod and Arlene Adrian Gruberg. Well, I've got marbles in my mouth. Right, my mother called me Arlene. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Adrian Gruberg, and I'm Dave Nassani. And we're in the home stretch here. Well, I, you know, who I spoke with, um, was it Wendy? She says, uh, an hour, that's such a long time. I says, it goes fast, trust me. Yeah, it's intimidating at first, but um, there's just so much to talk about. And why, for example, is it intergenerational interactions uh, so important? And what can caregivers do to help foster it? You know, so we're talking about the different generations of the family, sometimes the grandkids, the kids, the parents, the grandparents. So uh, what's going on there? And what can caregivers do to help foster it? So, you know, we find, you know, that our residents really, really love seeing children. It doesn't have to be little, little children, children of all ages, their grandchildren, nieces, nephews. Um, and we encourage our families to bring their, children, their young children to visit. Um, first of all, that we do, there's so much to do here. But I, I think it's important to expose children to their, their you know, just because the grandparents in a nursing home or an assisted living or, you know, it can seem a little what they might perceive yeah. as frightening. I think the parents think it's going to be frightening, but the truth of the matter is if you expose your children, this is where their grandparents or their relatives live. Yeah. This is home. And it's important to bring them, and, and there's so much to learn from being around, you know, older people. So don't stay away just because it's a nursing home. And we actually not only encourage our families to bring their kids, we have a volunteer department that is also an intergenerational. They provide a lot of intergenerational programs. So we also have schools coming in. Uh, there are local schools that do different programs here. And That's we have schools great. That you know, like volunteers who just sit and take the residents outside in the nice weather. And they get, mm -hmm. not only do our residents get so much out of it, but the kids get so much out of it. And it's a yeah. beautiful thing to see. That's yeah, great. I, and you see elderly people who maybe, you know, have this, uh, the lights are on, but nobody's home look. And all of a sudden, you know, I've seen nursing homes that bring in uh, children's choirs. And all of a sudden, they just light up and they start talking. Oh, come here, honey. You know, whatever they think, whether it's their own grandchild or whatever, but seniors love kids, and they just open them up, and they bring out the best in them. And you'd be surprised, because when the little kids come and they come frequently, you realize they love, not only do the seniors love the kids, but the right. kids really love being around the seniors, too. Yeah, because uh, maybe they're not around seniors. Maybe they've never seen anyone who's over 80 years old with all the wrinkles and and, uh, you know, think they're real cute and cuddly like, like a pet, you know. It's, <laughs> it's fun. Um, 
Go do ahead, you Amy. have any pet therapy? I mean, mm, good question. Yes, actually, we do. We have a few in-house dogs. Um, they are. Uh, we have a couple from varying sizes, and they do visits throughout the facility uh, by our activity department, our therapeutic arts and enrichment program. Uh, you know, they we try to identify when people come in what their likes and their dislikes are. So when we find out that someone was a real pet lover, we try to right. encourage them. You know, we we bring the dogs to them. Um, we actually, I don't, I, I don't remember the exact timing, but sometime around the summer, we actually had a, a miniature horse here that walked around <laughs> and, and provided so much enjoyment. Uh, so we're very big fans of pet therapy, and mm. it's been really just a great thing. And, and we encourage our families, wow. if they have pets, they bring them to visit. So well, I'm I sold. Where, do I, where do I sign up? Uh, and I think Adrian's found a place to live now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, after after I tour the place, yeah, I might just sign up. <laughs> Is there an age limit? Uh, you mean how old someone might be, or how young they the, might be? The minimum. I, I'm sure the there's minimum. no no limit on the how old they are, right? But oh, sure yeah, we, we have oh, like over thirty centenarians. So. Um, yeah. You know, so how how young does a person uh, have to be before they're not uh, eligible? Most of our residents are long-term residents, people who are here, you know, because this is their home. Yeah, some 40-year-olds uh, get dementia, don't they? Yes, they do. And for dementia, we have some younger residents. For the most part, I, I would say most of our long-term residents are, you know, pretty much 70 and above, though now we're seeing more and more, as you say, younger people coming in because, you know, of needs. We also have a rehab population that we've had 40-year-olds here for rehab with mm. the goal of going uh -huh. home. They, you know, if they break something, they have no one at home to take care of them, wow. they'll come here. So we have a big... Wow, you do it all. Yeah, we yeah that's like me because I, I was... Yeah. I'm, a single, yeah. I'm a single woman and... You know, I've I've got my my long term care policy, and I had a knee replacement and needed rehab, and I was very lucky that I had someone to take care of me. But if I didn't, I could have come to you for that. Exactly, exactly. So that's why the range in age really is is quite big now. And you take Medicare, obviously. Yeah, Medicare, Medicaid. Uh, and obviously, obviously you yes. take long-term care policies as well. Yes, yes, yes. So the admission wow. process goes through all of that financial stuff. So that's, how many acres that's, is that's this facility? How, how big is it in acres? Um, I, I just how many how many how many city blocks and boulevards? You just can't. That's why I just—it's uh, it's over thirteen acres. I, I don't even, I don't remember the exact acre. Wow! Acres. How much money? You must come. You must come. <laughs> yeah. All right. How many how many short blocks and how many long blocks would that be oh, <laughs> by so New York City? Between two sixty first and two fifty fourth, so it's uh, <laughs> it's it's quite a distance. <laughs> Um, and, no, and you've got a nice view. Big. Nice view on the Hudson. Yeah. Yeah, we're right on the Hudson. So these views in Manhattan would be millions of dollars, and here we are, you know.
Yeah. Our, our residents can enjoy it every day. So as far How as the price point, are you in the middle, in the top, and the bottom, or are you Sorry, average? The price you point, you know, the price point. You know what, that really varies because it depends on the level of care. Yeah. Um, you know, there are some people who require more care and therefore, yeah. you know, and it's really a matter of people who come in private pay, you know, if they have money, yeah. come in. Right. But, you know, I would say a lot of people go through that money quickly. Um, and then once they do, the home helps them apply for Medicaid if that's necessary. Yeah. So there's a varying range of prices. Um, right. I don't, I don't know what to compare it to, honestly. So I don't know where we stand in the rankings. But, uh, you know, it's, it's you know, it's uh, it kind of varies. Well, it's it's amazing. You've been a great guest, and you have a great facility. I'm very impressed. It takes a lot to impress me. <laughs> and I know it's not easy to find a facility. Um, is this franchise at all, or are you just strictly in New York? No, we're just we're a not-for-profit facility. This is our only site. In terms of the nursing home, this is our only site. But in terms of our community programs... We're uh, within the Bronx. We have different housing programs within the community as well, not just only on the Hebrew mm. property, mm. you know, in Riverdale. But we have other sites of other living. And uh, that's and you, wonderful. And you have other people on staff who do things like yoga, for example. Tell us a little bit about that. We do. We have, we have chair yoga. We have regular yoga. I, I really will blow your mind now, but we have a swimming pool. Um, so we have residents. Is it heated? <laughs> it is, it is. Um, so, uh, you know, we have residents. We have many, many exercise classes. We have a gym uh, with regular gym equipment for our residents who are capable of managing that on their own. Uh, and we just have a ton of different activities and variety of exercise programs. That does it. That's where I'm acres, You could have. You could have a miniature golf course. <laughs> you probably do. We do. You probably do. We have a green. Budding green, yeah. Huh? Well, so how can we find out more? How can we schedule a tour? Uh, what's your website? Uh, who's in charge? And I'm sorry. Can you? River Spring, R I V E R S P R I N G. Dot org. Dot org. We Just those two words. River Spring. Yeah. It's, one it's not River Spring. It's not River Spring Health. It's River Spring. River Spring. River Spring Health. Dot org. Yeah. Okay. Um. Sorry. <laughs> and uh, if you want to call, you can dial one eight hundred fifty six senior, and you'll reach our intake um, care managers. And depending on what you're looking for, they will provide a tour, whether it's the nursing home, the assisted living, the independent living. We want to see all of them. The beauty of the Hebrew home is that we have a continuum of care. So if you are in one of our community program, you know, buildings and you need the nursing home at some point, you know, that's the beauty of having it all here. Wow. That's amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. and. Uh... And making this happen, <laughs> even though there was some confusion in, in making it all happen, we appreciate it. Adrian, uh, how do we get a hold of you at the Caregiver Space? It's Adrian at thecaregiverspace.org, and all the links to um, 
to social media are listed there, and we're very active. We've got a we've got yes, a big bunch of communities now, and we're starting a um, a special program on the seventeenth. So I'll I'll talk more about it, you know, after I you. speak with Corey and really really know what it's about. Yes. It's it's to it's to help keep caregivers from burning out, but it's from a different point of view. Yes, and I'm sure you've noticed, but we have a new introduction and a new uh, outro yes. for our show. Lovely uh, singer songwriter from Nashville, Tennessee, Steve Seiler, who does an amazing caregiver ministry called Music for the Soul. And he's had over 550 uh, of his songs performed by famous artists, and he's a Grammy award-winning uh, singer-songwriter. And so with that, we will close with uh, one of his favorite songs, one of my favorite songs for caregivers, Keep Breathing. Bye-bye. Sometimes it feels like the sun will never rise. Like the birds will never sing again Keep breathing Take it in and let it out Keep breathing It's gonna be okay Believe in A Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.